Hello and welcome to Fidelity Connects, a Fidelity Investments Canada podcast, connecting you to the world of investing and helping you stay ahead. Today, we welcome Fidelity International Investment Director Tom Stevenson to the show as he discusses the state of the global equity markets and what are the latest developments in Europe and around the globe and where he is seeing opportunities. Tom speaks about the inflation story and where he sees it going. Although inflation is coming down in Canada and in Europe, it's becoming moderate. He says we're not out of the woods yet. Over the next few months, it might go up again 4 to 5%. He adds UK interest rates moved up a bit. The next question is, how long will interest rates stay at peak, then come down again as we move towards a recession? Tom also speaks about earnings. He says we're halfway through the earnings season, and so far, so good. He says this sets up the market for a 3 to 4% decline in earnings. The expectation is that we get a decent double-digit bounce back, which constitutes as a soft landing. Tom also touches on the slower-than-expected growth in China and what stocks look attractive right now, including consumer stocks in Europe. Today's podcast was recorded on August 8, 2023. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of Fidelity Investments Canada, ULC, or its affiliates. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. It is not an offer to sell or buy or endorsement, recommendation, or sponsorship of any entity or security cited. Read a fund's prospectus before investing. Funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. Fees, expenses, and commissions are all associated with fund investments. It's been an exciting day for markets, not exciting in the way that I think a lot of people want. We're seeing S&P 500 down because of downgrades on banking stocks, this tax in Italy. Can you break it down for us? What is going on today right now between kind of the U.S. and, and European markets? Yeah, I mean, it's funny, Brian. I mean, it's uh, it, a week or so ago, I was writing about this long bull market, which is five months on the trot of rising uh, rising share prices around the world. And that is always a good sign that, that things are going to go the other way. When people like me are talking about, <laughs> talking about the bull market, everyone starts extrapolating into the future, getting very positive. So, you know, over the last week or so, we have seen a bit of nervousness in, in markets. I, nothing unusual, I think. I think this is normal after a after a strong run in the markets. You often get these these, these pullbacks, the sort of three to five percent corrections, quite normal in a bull market. And I think we are still in a, in a bull market today. Though we've had you know a number of pieces of you know less good news. Uh, I think particularly those Chinese trade figures were were worryingly worse than people expected. The Italian windfall tax on the banks was completely out of the blue. I mean, the, the government has been saying the opposite. They've, they've been, you know, pouring cold water on that suggestion for a while. And then and then it suddenly suddenly came. So, you know, I think it's a combination of things and it all comes on the same day and, and, and markets get a bit spooked. I think that's what we've had today. Right. Can you just uh, give a little more detail into that windfall tax? It, it, it looks pretty, it's sort of interesting from, you know, from a Canadian looking out in Italy, um, especially one that has, uh, you know, we have a concentration of banks here. Um, it was interesting to see that. What is actually going on there? Yeah. So what, what the Italian government has done, it's a kind of populist move because essentially what's happened is that interest rates in, in the Eurozone have risen pretty fast, you know, as they have in, in the rest of the world from, from negative to, 3.75%. 
So it's a big move in, in interest rates. The banks have not been passing that on in terms of savings rates to families, households, and they're pretty, they're pretty hard pressed. There's a cost of living crisis just as there is in, in the rest of the world. So I think this is very much a political move by, by the government, but it has been handled quite badly, I think. I mean, it was announced, uh, the, the banks were not informed. It was announced, it wasn't announced by the finance minister. It was kind of rushed out. They changed the calculations as they were doing it. A bit of a shambles, really. But the, the 40% is, is essentially targeted at the excess profits that banks are making because of the interest rate rise. That's, that's had an impact on, on the markets. You know, it's, they, they, the markets don't like these unexpected things coming out of left field. And this is definitely right. one of those. Is, the, is that, you know, is this something that is maybe confined to Italy and Italian politics? Or could other countries in Europe see this and say, you know, hey, we should be doing this too? Well, I mean, it's, it's an interesting point. I mean, I think one of the reasons why um, banks are pretty lowly rated um, really across the board in, in Europe is because they are, a, they are a, an easy target for, for politicians. Um, you know, no one, no one sheds any tears over the banks. And so, it, it, you know, if the government needs to raise some money or they need to make a political point, then, you know, banks can be in the firing line. So uh, I think this is an Italy specific issue, this particular one. But, you know, I think there is a general point about the vulnerability of banks to political moves. Right. So back to the comments. So outside of today, I mean, you said bull run. July, I think, was the fifth consecutive month of gains, which I think might have surprised people back in January when inflation was high and interest rates are rising and everybody's nervous about a recession. Why have we seen markets perform as well as they have given all of the other economic uncertainty? Yeah, I mean, I think that has been that has been the big surprise because you go back to the beginning of the year and, you know, people were rightly concerned about high levels of inflation, the interest rate moves which had been made to counter that high level inflation. And the expectation was that this was going to have an impact on the economy and that we were heading towards a recession. So for the markets to continue rising through that, I think has surprised people. I think if you look beneath the surface, though, it's a bit more complicated than just a rise in the markets, because actually the rise in the markets has been really driven by a very small cross-section of the market, just a handful of leading technology stocks in the main. I, I, think I, I think I saw that for the first five months of the year, the equal weighted S&P 500. So in other words, the index which gives every single company in the index the same weighting. It doesn't favor the big technology stocks. That actually fell by 1% in the first five months of the year, even when the headline index was rising. And that, of course, is because of the importance of those big tech stocks. They're such a big part of the index that they can distort what's going on. So I think the market was not as bullish as maybe it looked on, on the surface. But recently, June, July, it really broadened out. The, the, the rise really moved out from those tech stocks to the market more generally. And that's a good sign because that was a, that's almost like a sort of necessary precondition for this to turn into a bull market. It needed to broaden out. And we did, and we did get that. So yet, you know, now we're seeing inflation. It seems like it's coming down in Canada. It's at 2.8%. US, it came down to about 3%. More inflation numbers are coming out. I, I think it's tomorrow. And so, you know, in Europe, I think we're seeing inflation also moderates. What does that mean for the markets going forward and just the economy in general? Are we, are we out of the woods yet? Are we almost out of the woods? I don't think we are out of the woods, no. I mean, I think, the, the, again, again, look beneath the surface, and I think this is a bit more nuanced than maybe uh, it looks uh, at first glance. 
US inflation has come down very quickly, down to down to sort of three percent. And I think an element of that is is the sort of year on year comparison. So you have to look at what was happening to inflation a year earlier. And so I think that, yes, it's come down to three uh, percent. We've got figures this week. Um, it may well be down there again. But I think over the next few months, we may even see it go up again to, you know, four and a half, five percent. And so. Okay, that's well down on the sort of nearly 10% peak that we had for, for US inflation. But I think if it goes from three up to four and a half, five, people might get a bit nervous uh, about that and think, well, we're not out of the woods yet. Now, you mentioned the other places, Europe, it's definitely coming down. Um, and the, the really the standout, the, 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 the outlier here is the UK, because here inflation is not coming down anything like as quickly uh, as elsewhere. Um, you know, we do have a bigger inflation problem here than, than in Europe and in the US and, and by the sounds of it in Canada too. Why is that? Why, why would the UK be different? I think there are a number of sort of uh, idiosyncratic factors about, about the UK. Part of it is to do with, um, with, with Brexit and our, our coming out of our, coming, our, our loss of a source of, of essentially cheap labour. Um, with with Brexit, and that has had an inflationary impact on the jobs market, and that's fed through into the rest of the economy. So uh, I guess yeah, they had uh, the, the UK just increased their rates. Now it's at five point two five percent. Was that a surprise to you, or or is that are they still going to have to go higher to combat the stubborn inflation there? Yeah, I, it, no, it wasn't a surprise. I mean, uh, there was the only the only question mark about the the, the UK uh, interest rate move last week was whether it would be a quarter point or a half point. It actually, you know, it, it, it was a quarter point because we're beginning to see some of the economic impact of, of, of rising, rising interest rates. So the housing market is particularly weak in the UK uh, at the moment. We had some figures earlier on this week. House prices are, are falling uh, year on year. And I think that that is going to continue. Mortgage rates are, are really much higher than they were. We're seeing a lot of fixed rate mortgages rolling over people seeing big jumps in their in their in their repayments and that's going to have a knock on effect on on house prices so i think interest rates have got further to go in the uk the bank of england was saying last week as they as they raised interest rates they said that you know they they highlighted market expectations that that they're probably going to peak at about 6% so we've got another two or three quarter point rises before they peak in in the uk and you know that's going to be tough because the other and then the key question then is how long they stay there you know because i think the expectation and one of the reasons why markets have done so well this year it was it, it baked in was the expectation that interest rates were going to go up but then quite quickly they were going to come down again as we maybe move towards a recession i think that that expectation has been modified quite quite considerably now because i think people are looking at the possibility of a of a soft landing in the US and they're saying, well, if there's a soft landing, that takes the pressure off the central bank to actually reduce interest rates. They might stay at that level throughout next year. And that would be that would be tough, I think, for, for that would be a disappointment for markets. Yeah, I, I was actually gonna ask you about that. You know, I you know, as a homeowner myself, it's sort of like, can we get past this so rates can fall again and things can kind of get back to normal? And I and, and I think it, it is confusing now. We're starting to see slowdown in Canada potentially. Uh, some job losses just came out, sixty seven hundred jobs, and some economic data from GDP data looks like maybe uh, you know June will be a bit will be negative compared to the last few months. 
I guess, number one, do you sense that things are slowing? And then what should maybe consumers think about when this is all happening? Because I think there is this feeling like, let's just get this over with so we can get back to normal. Mm-hmm. But I, who knows what normal is and, and will that actually happen? We don't, we, we don't know. So what, so what do you say to people who are saying, let's get past this? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, we all want to get past it. And I think, you know, I think that and, and I think that's what markets do, of course. They look they look forward six to nine months. And I, and I think, you know, in the first half of this year, markets were markets were rising because they were looking through the peak in interest rates and they were thinking they're going to come down quickly um, and, we're get, and that we're going to get back to normal. But as you say, what what is norm, the new normal? And And I think the new normal is probably significantly higher interest rates than we've got used to over the past 15 years since the financial uh, crisis. You know, you know, we're not going back to the 1980s and interest rates, uh, you know, in double digits. But, you know, uh, when you've got used to interest rates being one or two percent, if they're four or five or six percent, that is a significant difference on people's spending power. And and I think that, you know, whether it's homeowners or just consumers generally, we're going to have to get used to that new world where actually it costs to borrow money. But do you, but you do see things are are those interest rates working through? Do you see those, those slowdowns happening where maybe we are getting to a bit of a different point here than we have over the last few months? Yeah, I, th- I, I think I think wherever you look uh, all, all around the world, the, the, the impact of interest rates is starting to show through. We've got here in the UK, we've got GDP figures on Friday. And, you know, they're going to be they're going to be pretty disappointing. And and the Bank of England is sort of warming us up to expect pretty much, you know, stagnation, really, for the next two years in 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 UK uh, GDP uh, growth. So that's a nasty combination. You know, when you've got slightly too high inflation and you've got sluggish growth, you know, it evokes memories of the stagnation of the of the 1970s and 1980s. And I think that is that is fear. That's that's particularly intense in the UK. Um, but I think that that combination of not great growth and higher than expected inflation is probably a consistent issue around the world. Yeah. Let, let's talk about earnings. Back to the markets. There's been expectations. It, it depends on who you talk to. Uh, what's going to happen with earnings? They're going to get worse. Maybe they'll stay strong. I mean, when you're looking at earnings now, how have that kind of earnings earnings unfolded over the year? And and what do we see maybe going into 2024? So I think we're you know we're roughly halfway through earnings season now, the second quarter uh, earnings season, and I think so far so good. About 80% of companies uh, have beaten expectations. Okay, expectations are coming down a bit, so you kind of hope that they would be uh, at least matched. But you know, 80% beating expectations is is a pretty good good start. But they're falling. You know, the, I think the current expectation is about a 7% fall year on year in the second quarter. When we started the earnings season a few weeks ago, it was probably a 9% fall. So, you know, a similar process to what we saw in the first quarter where things got progressively better as, as we went through. And I think that that sets us up for for the year as a whole for maybe three or four percent decline in earnings, which is not too bad. And then next year, the expectation is that we get a decent bounce back, a double digit bounce back. I think that constitutes a, a soft landing. You know, we had strong earnings growth in 21, 22. We're going to have a small, modest fall in 23. And then we're going to bounce back again in 24. If that happens, I think we'd, we'd have taken that at the outset. You know, that, that's not a bad result. 
we also tech earnings. You mentioned tech stocks leading the way. Uh, obviously, everybody watches that. What did you, what did you make of the tech earnings reports that came over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I mean, they, I think they were a bit of a mixed bag. Um, you know, we had uh, we had some 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 disappointments. Um, Tesla, Netflix, um, uh, Apple were a bit disappointing. You know, slowdown in sales of iPhones and and other hardware. Then we had Amazon, um, very good figures. I think Amazon shares were up eight percent on 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 the day. Good online sales. So a mixed bag, and that's probably symptomatic of why the market doesn't really know where to go at the moment. Because I think, you know, obviously the tech stocks are a big driver. And if they're, if they're, if no one's quite sure, if there isn't a clear trend, and I think there isn't a clear trend, I think some are good, some are bad, um, uh, then I, I think that's, that's, a, that's an argument for just pausing and, and waiting and seeing. And that, I think, is what we've had over the last couple of weeks in the markets. This is a good uh, uh, shift to maybe opportunities in the market. Someone's asking which sectors in Europe are performing well at the moment. Yes. Uh, well, I mean, I think there have been some surprises. Um, you know, one of, one of the things that we've seen, and this is not just about Europe, it's it, it, it generally, but I think some of the uh, consumer stocks have actually done rather better than, than expected. A lot of hedge funds in particular were were positioned negatively on all the tech stocks, the holiday stocks, the cruise line companies, um, Airbnb, that kind of, you know, those kinds of consumer facing stocks. And they've actually done much better than expected. So, I mean, some, some of those hedge funds have taken quite a big hit on those, uh, on those positions. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, um, and I think that's a story of the markets this year, actually, is that it's, it's the, the, the recession that we expected has been pushed back and and it just hasn't happened in the way that we expected. So I think a lot of those um, more consumer facing stocks have actually surprised on the upside. I mean, this is certainly does feel a bit confusing for investors because you see as you know, you see the markets rise. So you might say, OK, well, maybe now I should go a little bit risk on. You see things slowing down, still recession fears, which might make you think maybe I should be a little bit more defensive. There doesn't feel like there's a clear path here. I mean, so how do you think in this environment, what should investors be thinking about? Yeah, and, and I think that that's been, you know, one of the stories this year is that we've had this, this you know, on the face of it, fantastic rise in, in the market. I think many investors have not actually participated in that because if you, if you go back six months and you think about the mindset um, back then, it was pretty cautious. It was pretty defensive. Interest rates were rising. And so people were actually, for the first time, able to sort of lock in with money market funds, cash funds, they were able to lock in a decent income. And many people took advantage of that. They thought, you know, the market had fallen sharply in, in 2022. And so they played for safety. You know, what they would have done over the first six months of this year, the first eight months of this year, is they would have watched the market go and go and go and go. And they've been defensively positioned. I think the risk is, as ever, that, that investors are just slightly behind the curve. And what you do is you see what's happened in the last eight months. You see that the, the, the market has grown double digits and you start chasing those returns, especially if you've been sitting on the sidelines defensively positioned. I think that's a real risk. And, and, and it was really highlighted by what's happened in the markets over the last 10 days or so with it pulling back. I think a lot of people were beginning to chase, chase that. And that's that's the real danger that is that you're just behind the curve. So when you are seeing opportunities, I mean, are there, are, yeah, are there areas of the market that look better than others? I mean, what's your view on, on, on maybe where investors should be looking? 
Well, I mean, I think there's a big difference in valuations between different markets, for example. I mean, I was, I was, you know, I mean, I'm constantly amazed by the, 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 the valuation differential between the US market and the UK market, for example. The UK market, you know, continues to be very out of, out of favor. Fund flows are very negative. Some very interesting research I was just looking at uh, just just today, actually, on on the the, the the UK market has really shrunk over the last five years, something like 20 percent. The number of companies listed on the London market's fallen by 20 percent. And partly that's a product of this underperformance and uh, and the low valuations. Companies are just saying, you know, why would I list in the UK? I'm going to go and list in, in the US where I get a higher valuation and I'm not going to bother with with the UK. So, you know, the UK is cheap. Other markets are, are, are still the Euro, Euro, Europe is still quite cheap. Some emerging markets are still quite cheap compared to compared to the US. And I think that creates opportunities, you know, because there is clearly a price for everything. And, the, you know, the UK market is not that bad. And there are a lot of good companies. And, you know, we're talking about a valuation of 11, 12 times earnings instead of 20 times earnings in the US. That's a big differential. And, and really, you know, the U.S. has to work pretty hard to justify a valuation multiple of 20 times earnings. So despite that, you know, it's UK is often yeah, cheaper than the U.S., but there's opportunity there. So maybe, maybe just talk about the opportunity in the U.K. I mean, what is the, the you know, the investment thesis for, for the U.K. going forward? Well, the investment thesis is, is largely a, a value uh, thesis. Um, uh, we are we, we, we don't have the. Um, we don't have the growth stocks that the U.S. has. We have a more value-focused um, uh, market, um, and and many of the um, many of the many of the stocks actually would be expected to do well in a more sluggish, inflationary uh, environment. So actually, the U.K. is quite well positioned for for the world that it finds itself in. And if you can pick that up on, you know, 10, 11 times earnings. And if you're picking up a four and a half, five percent yield, which in many cases you are, then um, that's pretty attractive. I've got a question that came in from an advisor about uh, the energy supply level in the UK and Europe. Um, how is it looking into the fall and winter? Yes. Uh, well, I mean, it's a good question because we, we got through last winter with, you know, a, you know pretty easily, um, more easily than, than, than people expected. So I think we go into um, we go into the autumn and the winter in pretty good shape. Uh, the storage facilities are, are all full, um, uh, but you know clearly the the situation uh, in Ukraine is far from being resolved. In fact, arguably, um, you know it's deteriorated in in the last week or so. We had some drone strikes against um, uh, you know Russian naval vessels and. So I don't think anyone should, you know, count on um, there not being problems as we as we go through the autumn uh, and the winter. But for now, you know, we, we're in we're in good shape. Another question came in about uh, about UK valuations. Is Brexit to blame for the decline in in UK's valuation? It's one of the reasons, um, uh, but it's it, it's not the not the only reasons. I mean, actually, there's been a catalogue of 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 things over the years which have which have caused the, the the UK to be less attractive to, um, to to markets. I mean, you know, one of the things actually. I mean, this is going back going back twenty twenty five years now that we had a we had a, a dividend uh, tax credit which was abolished um, by a previous uh, government. It's estimated that that 
um, that, that that has taken something like 100 billion pounds out of UK pension funds. Um, and actually, if you factor in, you know, the, the investment growth, which has been foregone, it might be 200 uh, billion pounds. So this was a short term measure designed to, you know, boost uh, uh, tax revenues um, for the government. But it's had a profound impact on on the UK market and the attractiveness of the of the UK market. So it's it's a combination of things like that. So, yes, Brexit is a factor, but it's by no means the, the only factor. Right. So I think, you know, I think lots of things can be done, you know, to make the UK market more attractive, to encourage uh, investment through taxation and other incentives um, to to. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it's not a short term fix. It'll take it'll take years. Just turning to China, you talked a bit about that, but but China has appeared to be you know opening a bit slower than people expected. Naturally, if it opened a bit faster, I think people or you know had it was stronger. I'm sure people would like that around the world, given how big the country is. Why have we seen kind of slower growth, and and what else are you seeing out of China? What's the impact of that on the global economy? Yeah, so we had some we had some trade trade data. So the exports down, I think, fourteen and a half percent. Imports were down twelve point something. You know, these were both in both cases much worse than 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 expected. The the Chinese economy is has clearly come out of COVID much more slowly than anyone uh, anticipated. Uh, you know, the the investment thesis six months or so ago was that you know China was going to going to drive the, the the global economy as it came out of out of COVID. It hasn't, it hasn't done that. I think to an extent, the Chinese people are a bit scarred by three years of, of lockdowns. They clearly got problems with their, with their property sector. We had the Evergrande situation a couple of years ago, and then just recently another big property company, Country Garden, is, is, has, has, has failed to pay a couple of uh, interest payments on, on its debt. So that, you know, the, the, the property sector, which it, actually accounts for indirectly as well as directly accounts for, you know, maybe a quarter of the whole Chinese economy. It's really important and it's really struggling uh, at the moment. And so uh, until that is resolved and that's going to take a long time to work itself out, then I think that's a drag on on the Chinese economy. So, you know, expectations, 5% growth, that's already the lowest growth rate for, for, for years uh, in China. And I think that's going to be that's going to be challenging. So I think what we're looking for is more stimulus in, in China. I think it, it, it desperately needs uh, a, a boost to the economy. One market we didn't talk about was fixed income, which has become attract, much more attractive for the last little bit. And I wonder if, you know, just just how investors should look at that now. It's sort of in an interesting spot because if we don't see rate hikes again and, and maybe rate, uh, you know, uh, cuts in the future, is now a good opportunity where you can get some capital appreciation, where you can get higher interest rates. How are you viewing fixed income and, the, and how are people kind of using it today? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm viewing fixed income very positively at the moment uh, for, for all the reasons that you say. I mean, you know, I, I, mean, I mean, I've been saying that for some time, of course, and it's, and it's, you know, it's been delayed. But, um, uh, you know, you can now lock in a very attractive uh, yield on um, very safe fixed income. Um, and in due course, uh, interest rates are going to come down. And so then you then you layer on onto the income it's a, a capital gain as well. And so I think, you, you know, you are potentially looking at a, at a positive, very positive total return from from fixed income. And really, for the first time in many years, there is an alternative to shares. You know, for, for years, it's been this Tina economy. There is no alternative. 
Um, and that's not the case now. You know, bonds are a, are a really viable um, uh, complement to the shares in the portfolio. And there's a, you know, I mean, you know, all the advisors watching this will, will, will know what I'm talking about. You know, the, the balanced portfolio just makes a lot of, a lot of sense now. That's great. We have two minutes left. And I just have to say, we've got a birthday here, almost. <laughs> uh, Monday, it's your birthday. And it's, it's a big one. It's 60. And yeah. you've been doing it for a long time. And so, uh, you know, I got to ask you, based on uh, sort of a now good time, maybe to reflect what we've seen in the past in the markets and where maybe we're going to go over the next. Hopefully, you'll still be here. Uh, we'll still be doing this together when you're in. So where does it go from here? Yeah, so I, I I wrote a piece recently actually where I kind of looked back over 20 years and, and thought, well, what can I learn from the last 20 years to look at the next 20 years? And I, I guess in a nutshell, what I learned is it's difficult. <laughs> you know, so um, you know, I looked at, I looked at what had worked in terms of uh, asset allocation, and I think what what the message is that you know ahead of time. I mean, this is by definition ahead of time. It's very difficult to know what's going to happen. You know, would you have said uh, 20 years ago that the U.S. would have so dominated markets and would have so outperformed emerging markets and, and other developed markets? Probably not, actually. So I think the lesson for me is, you know, be very well diversified. Don't try and time the market and just, you know, yeah, maybe have a bit of fun on the side with, you know, individual stock investments or whatever. But the core of my investments over the next 20 years is going to be very well diversified mm. and I'm not going to try and time the market. Great advice to live by. Um, have a good birthday on money. Hopefully Fidelity gives you the day off. Um, but uh, uh, we'll leave it there. Um, and thank you again so much for being here. Thanks, Brian, very much. Thanks so much for being here. I'm Brian Borzikowski. Thanks for listening to the Fidelity Connects podcast. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to Fidelity Connects on your podcast platform of choice. And if you like what you're hearing, leave a review or a five-star rating. Fidelity mutual funds and ETFs are available by working with a financial advisor or through an online brokerage account. Visit fidelity.ca slash how to buy for more information. While visiting fidelity.ca, you can also find information on future live webcasts. And don't forget to follow Fidelity Canada on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks again. See you next time.